Well, thank you so much. Goodness gracious. Um, that was so, that, let's just close in prayer and take an offering right now. At that. Thank you so much. And I don't know if it's um, possible to bring the lights up. I don't want to disrupt the vibe. But um, yeah, it's so sweet. Like Mia and Francois, and you're just, you're amazing kids. I remember meeting you and like, Bray, the coolest family in the world checked out the river and then COVID hit. And then I'm, I just figured, well, it's over. You know, we lost them. And then all of a sudden I'm like taking the kids surfing at like, Topaz, Jetty, and then you guys ride by. Remember that? And you're like, we're watching. We're watching online. I'm like, thank you. Don't leave us. I promise you'll love us once you get to know us. But we love you guys. Seriously, amazing people. Happy Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. There's a photo booth. Honestly, if someone took a picture during the sermon, I'd be really excited to see that happen. Okay, that would actually feel right at home. I used to be a youth pastor, so like shenanigans need to happen more often for me to feel comfortable uh, teaching, but it's great to be with you. I I am uh, delighted and honored to close off this series called Transformation: How to Change for Good. Bill, Bill made that last line. That tagline was everything. Um, but it's been a great series. I mean, we've we sort of we kind of outlined like four B's: believe, belong, become, and this one bear fruit. So there's a B and an F. But it works, okay, people? It works. It's this idea that transformation, and I want to pause and, and uh, let us reflect on this for one more nanosecond before we finish this series. But, like, what if really, truly, and honestly, you could change? Like, what if it was actually possible for you? I mean, you right now. And I don't know what your thing is, and maybe you don't even know what your thing is. Maybe other people know what your thing is, and you don't know. But what if truly you could change? I mean, really think about it. Not, not the person next to you, not someone who came here to hear the sermon, but you, the person I'm talking to. What if you could change? That's a crazy thought. I mean, if you've ever been on the other side of transformation, where you were maybe in your health habits or your exercise or your academics, or work performance, or relational stuff, or spiritual stuff. You've been on the other side of the bridge, where you're kind of in that frumpy, sort of slouch of a life, and you're not really changing, and you think, well, I'm just who I am. This is just how I eat. This is just how I work. This is how I relate to people. And then you've experienced in life crossing that bridge and truly being different in that area. And you look back and go, wow, I can't believe that was possible. If you've ever experienced that in any area of life, it's actually a thrill. But it's a reminder for all of us, like, I don't know where you're at, but what if you truly could change for the better? What if what is good right now in your life, what if it was like, it's the atrium to a larger adventure of growth? I don't know, but that's kind of a cool thing to think about. What if you could change? And as we think about transformation, we've been talking about this idea of like the starting off, Todd brought us a sermon on belief. The fact that you all believe things, you have a worldview, you see and perceive reality in a particular way. And if you think you don't, if you're like, well, I don't have any beliefs, I just kind of go with the flow, I could assign a group of sociologists and anthropologists to follow you around for a month, and they'd be able to tell you, here's your belief system. Whether you know it or not, this is the, what you believe, and this is how I know that. Like, this is so important what we believe about reality. And so, for those of you on a journey here, we love that. I, my personal heart, I delight when people are coming to church that are like, I'm, I've either been dragged here, or I'm just curious, or I'm doing it to kind of please somebody. But you know what? I'm open to exploring reality. And that's, we're like, welcome home. Welcome home. We all are on a journey. And for those of you that have been following Jesus for a long time, right, just being clear on what do I actually believe? And we talked about belonging. Taylor brought a great message on on belonging, the fact that we do this together. It is not a solo hike through a desert, sitting on a pillar in the middle of nowhere, communing with God. That is not the spiritual life we see painted on all the pages of this ancient Near Eastern and ancient Mediterranean collection of texts we call the Bible. 
The picture that we see is a picture of a caravan of growth and love together. We are on a journey together, and growth happens when we're doing life together. And, and I can sit here and just pass the microphone around to folks that have experienced what it's like when you're really truly known by someone else and when they know you, and there's a safety in that. It's a dangerous place to be at first, right? It's scary to get into it. And once you're in it, you realize, wow, I'm known and I know. And boy, transformation happens there. Um, and then become, last week, Bill brought it. My gosh, Bill. I half want to just hit play on that sermon and just sit and watch it, take photos and then watch it again. <laughs> it's so powerful. But this idea that, like, if you think the Christian life, now this is, I'm taught, especially, I pray there's someone in here that's like, I've never been to church before or I've, I'm just my first time in a long time. I don't know who you are, but if you are there, if we tell you that church is about being a good boy or a good girl and sin management, try to keep it clean, clean up your language, clean up your act, clean up your room, get better grades, be a good boy or a good girl so God will like you. If you think that's what this is about, I am delighted to tell you that is, that is nowhere in this beautiful library of truth. It's just not there. Like truly the Jesus following life is about a transformation that happens on our inside that, that just, as we'll talk about today, bears fruit in our life. And um, so that was a beautiful thing, Bill. There's so much else I want to talk about, but, but today, here's what I'm going to do. All right, I'm going to keep this one short. I think I went, what, 35 at the beach? I'm going for 30. I'm going for 30 starting right now. We'll see if it happens. <laughs> So here's what I want to do. Uh, it's Mother's Day, and I actually want to read a precious psalm. It's the first psalm my mom ever had me mem memorize. She was at, my la at the last service, and it was such a sweet thing to have her sitting right there. But this, is, this psalm holds such a beautiful place in my heart. And she had me memorize it when I was a little kid. I, I want to look at this precious psalm. And then I want to kind of play the role of like a tour guide or like a museum docent and just kind of gather us around the portrait that it paints for a minute. And I just want to highlight a couple of things. I want to say, notice the shading over here. Notice the dimensions and perspective. Notice how the artist plays with light or whatever a docent says, right? I want to kind of do that with this beautiful song. And then, um, and then we're going to learn. The main thing we're going to do today is learn from you moms. Okay, so I'm, I'm letting you know I'm a professor full-time. Uh, my old boss is here, and she, she knows that. If you haven't met Deb Taylor and Phil, they're an amazing couple. But I'm a professor, so I love interaction. So there might be a little bit. So just prepare yourselves, moms. Just a little interaction. Won't, I won't call anyone out necessarily. Specifically, maybe I will. Uh, and then we're going to learn from you. And then I want us to get super-duper practical for a minute and then bring it home. All that in 30 minutes or less. Um, so the first song, the song I want to look at, actually, comes to us in the scriptures, Psalm chapter 1. It's the first, first of these beautiful hymns slash poems that show up in the Hebrew Bible. If you don't know where it is, if you have a Bible that's in print like this, it's directly in the middle. Psalms is the best one. It's pronounced Psalms, if you're wondering. Psalms. Why is that P there? It's silent. Why is it still there? I don't know. Not sure. Um, and the book of Job, it's right next to the book of Job, right after it, actually. So this is, this is Psalm, and it's the first one my mom ever taught me. So what I want to do is I want to um, read the first half of it. I want to play a song that reminds me of my mommy every time I hear it and makes me um, emotional and happy. So Ron, will you cue up that song? I surprised my mom with it this morning. So, Psalm 1. Asharei Chaish. How blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that, that sinners take or sit in the company, the congregation of mockers. Ki'im but completely different than that, whose delight is in the teaching of Adonai, of the Lord, the Torah of God. 
and who meditates on this law, on this teaching, on this instruction, day into the night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever that person does, they prosper. Beautiful song. It's a, it's a, it's a gateway. It's like when you're walking into Disneyland and you're at that part right in the front where there's the train and there's the little Mickey Mouse with the flowers and you can kind of choose doors, go right or go left, and you're entering into Disneyland, right? This is what the psalm does. It actually sets up the entire collection of these five sort of, it's, it's a curated playlist. It's like if you want to say, what's Israel's like, playlist that they work on and they've put together over centuries? This is that playlist, and it's trending, in the Hebrew Bible at least. And this psalm, it actually sets us up for the whole purpose of the psalms. And if you're bored with, like, scripture reading, jump into psalms. Just hop around. It will not let you down. I mean, if you're feeling angry, they got you covered. If you're feeling scared, they got you covered. If you're on the mountaintop of exaltation, the psalms are the place to go. It's really a, a really wonderful collection. But this psalm reminds us, like, what God desires from us and for us. And it's, it's powerful. And one of the pieces that we're talking about this week is bearing fruit, bearing fruit. So I want to look at a couple little pieces. First of all, this first term, ashare, it's a great term. Everyone say ashare. Ashare. It means, it means oh, how happy. Oh, how joyous. Oh, how like jubilant. It's, it's actually a, a Hebrew term. If you want to do a complicated translation, it would be something like, like f- human flourishing. It's a good analog for human flourishing. What does it mean to be truly alive in all of its ways, in all of its facets? Fully orbed human being in your native habitat doing what you are made to do. It looks like ashare. It's blessedness. I love that word. And in this it's like the first word in this whole entire giant library of ancient hymns and songs. And it says, how blessed, how full, how rich, how overflowing. And then it says, there are a few places that a blessed person does not thrive in. They do not thrive in, and it gives you, it's parallelism. So it's kind of saying the same thing in three different ways. Essentially, If you want to soak in the presence of jerks and cynics and folks that are so introversionist, selfish, thinking about how they can optimize and use people as transactions and cut corners, if you spend time with these people and you soak in this presence, you are not going to be experiencing ashare. You're not going to thrive. This is going to be an environment that will be like a black hole sucking you into ugliness. And I think we all know this. I'm not going to spend much time on that piece of it. I actually would rather say, okay, then fine. Where then does one go? So it says, blessed is the one that avoids these caravans of just grumps, frumps, jerks. That's my translation. And then it uses this Hebrew um, disjunctive. It's the strongest possible Hebrew disjunctive you could use. Ki-im. It's like they don't do these things, but completely different in the absolute opposite direction. Here is where they are. They delight in the teaching of the Lord. And they meditate on his teaching daytime into the nighttime. This is a great term the Hebrew term Haggah, which is to meditate, it's not like meditation as many of us have probably experienced it in the 21st century West or East, where there's a sense of clear your mind and just be sort of mindful and present, right? And breathe. And that, that's one form of sort of 
bringing yourself to the moment and present. But this is actually a term that I see in my music majors at Biola. So when you see music majors, anyone in here a music major or was music major? How about musicians? Okay, come on, there's some musicians. Oh yeah, of course we got some. <laughs> what am I thinking? Like the band in the back. Yeah, we're here. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I love you guys. You guys rock, by the way. What a, can we have a hand just for our amazing worship team here? Man, we're so blessed. I love you guys. But I'll watch my music majors and you'll see them, especially the ones that are working on some really important classical piece. And I could be lecturing on history, I could be lecturing on philosophy, or on some just whatever, and you'll watch them and they're kind of, they're working through a piece in their mind. And it just, they're constantly, there's always something they're chewing on. There's some song they're chewing on. I bet you I could add, David Balick, what are you chewing on right now? Do you have any songs that you're kind of working through right now? Exactly, he's like really working through it, right? So like if I ask the band, like what are you working on? What are you thinking about? What songs are kind of running through you? Any of y'all got any songs you're working on right now? What's running through your minds? <laughs> the next set. All right, see, I, that was a loaded question. I got, I knew there'd be a good response. So this is what the term haga means. It's, it's actually to kind of playing a song, thinking about something. Literally, it's used in a Hebrew Bible for like muttering sometimes. Like, it's, you're so immersed in the truth and teachings and ways of your creator that the sort of heart song of your life is running through truths about the creator. And it says, this is actually, this is the key to fruitfulness, this delight. And it's not even like I better, I better memorize this passage or I'm going to get smacked with a ruler, right? Instead, it's I delight in this so much that it's running through my mind. I'm thinking about it. I'm, I hear my daughter. she got a beautiful voice. If you ever heard Michelle sing, beautiful, embarrassing my daughter on Mother's Day. But, um, but I hear her singing. I hear her working through stuff that Amanda, who's the bomb. Where's Amanda? Is she in here right now? There she is. She's just amazing, pouring into my daughter, teaching her how to sing and do these things. And I'll hear Michelle just working through. She's, she's haga. She's working on a, a song. And this is the picture of fruitfulness. Um, and then, of course, this person becomes like a tree planted by streams of water. It's not like a better tree. It's not a stronger tree that just somehow figures out how to do photosynthesis better than the other trees. Uh, if you've ever been, anyone here been to Grant's Grove in the sequoias, um, up in the sequoia, the giant sequoias, anyone seen those? Bill, Bill loves trees, man. This man loves trees. Um, I, I could take him or leave him, but he really likes trees. So if you walk into Grant's Grove, when you first get in, it's like a sublime moment. It sort of takes you, it sweeps you off your feet. You're, you're sort of taken away for a moment, and you're like, I cannot, I am just lost in this beauty. It's really, it gives me goosebumps talking about it. But it's so powerful. But if you ask, like, rangers or folks that know, arbalists, folks that know about this stuff, like, why are these sequoias so massive? Whereas there's a lot of other sequoias that are just kind of, and they'll say there's three reasons, location, location, location. The Grant's Grove just so happens to be in the perfect place for a sequoia to thrive. The perfect amount of sunlight, perfect amount of rainfall. Just everything is working for them. And so what do they do? They thrive. They grow and strong and they're big. And this is actually such a beautiful principle that we see right here. That it's not about you working harder or being better. Or somehow you were just one of those good ones. And that happens sometimes, folks. Let's admit it, right? When we think about church or church people, we go, well, that's the good church person. And that's the church person. You know, I'm not. I'm not that person. But that's the church person. Or they're the ones that really, they get the whole God thing. And I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, one foot off the merry-go-round trying to figure this thing out. Well, the beautiful thing is there is no one that's wired with the DNA of, of like, good God person. Like, we all are made in the image of God, we're told. We're made in the, with a personhood um, that extends from God. We are unique in that way as a species. But in this passage, it's about just where are you sitting? Where are you soaking? Where are you planted? 
And from those resources, beautiful things happen. All right, I want to ask, um, ask now moms a question. Okay, I'm going to ask the moms a question. And I'm not going to make anyone share, but if it gets awkwardly quiet, I'm going to start calling on people. <laughs> but I want you to think about this for a minute. And I'm and first thing, the kind of major thing that comes to your mind. Moms, um, this is the question. What do you really ultimately desire from your kids? Think about this. What do you, what do you really want from your kids? This isn't, I could ask you what do you want for your kids, which is a great question maybe we'll talk about. But right now, I want you to think about what do you want from your kids? I'm going to give you a second. I want you to share with someone near you. Just, just share it. That way it gets out of your head and mind into someone else's ear. But what do you want from your kids? So moms, go ahead and discuss. Just take a minute. It's a dangerous question, especially if your mom brought you to church today. All right, 30 seconds. What do you want from your kids? All right, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, let's, let's hear, I wanna hear from you. I really do, what, like, what were some of the major pieces or things that came into your mind and heart? Let's just hear from some moms right now. Let's all sort of huddle around, Debbie in the back. Relationship, relationship with your kids. What do you want from your kids? Seriously, Martin, if, by the way, if you heard something that you're like, that was mine, I want to hear it from you, okay? <laughs> I still want to hear it from you. So let's, let's go. Let's hear honor some. And honor and respect. All right. Honor and respect. That's, it's a, that is a relational, reciprocal, important piece. Yeah. Chloe. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. Yes. Yeah. Trust me. Trust me. Good. What? I heard someone say sleep. I heard a mom say sleep. Okay, right? <laughs> Young moms are like, I have some very specific list right here. I'm handing it to my husband, and he's going to make it happen. What else? What are some other things? What do you want? Denise, you're up front here. What do you, what do you, uh, love. love, love. What about Brave, Michelle right there. You can ask anything. This is a big moment. Time. Yeah, this is. It was so cute this morning. Brixton was like, I, I got up earlier, I was doing some things, and I heard Brixton making noise in the kitchen, and he's in there trying to squeeze a lemon into Ray likes lemon water in the morning. It's like he's just trying to squeeze this lemon, and it's so cute. He brings the lemon water up, and it's just like, Mom, here's your lemon water, and she just wanted to climb in bed and just, I want to snuggle you. I want to be with you, right? It's like how we feel about our, about that. We, I'm not a mom. <laughs> I never had the privilege of experiencing childbearing. So that's beautiful, Bray. What else? Let's hear some more. Like, what do you want? Like, Brooke, what about you? What do you want from your kids? And trust. It's interesting how a lot of the moms of younger kids trust is one that they're like, maybe the older ones too. I don't know. What else? Mia, what about you? It's good. Trish, what about you? What do you got? What do you want? Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is really deep. I love it. Wow. Yeah, really sweet letters. Oh, 
that's so good. I'm an affirmation person too, so I could, even if you don't mean it, just say it. I'll be happy. <laughs> Anyone else? Let's hear any, any other mom. I built space. Believe me, we're not going long. Yeah, please. Appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. Once they hit their 40s, they realize what geniuses their parents actually were. That's how I experienced. That's beautiful, though. Yeah, appreciation. Yeah. What else? Anyone else here? Yeah, please. Oh, I love it. Love and watch them prosper and be the man he could be. That's beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Oh, is this your mom, Martine? No. No. Oh, that's Aunt. That's Aunt Deb. Oh. Well, you said beautiful. I saw Martine. I thought that must be who she's talking about. Okay. Yeah, he is. He's beautiful. Look at that beard, by the way, Martine. Can we just all give a hand for his beard right there? We love that beard. So. This is so good. I just want you to hear this for a minute. Like, this is an interesting reminder, and I think it's really important. I'm going to read the passage. Jesus, um, this is right after the passage Bill walked us through last week in Matthew 23. And it's this moment. It's actually a heartbreaking moment. It's it's kind of, it looks like the story's heading to tragedy. If you read through the Gospels and you don't know what's coming, it looks like this is kind of like Breaking Bad or something. It's ending in tragedy or Shakespeare, if I must. Right? It's ending in tragedy. And in this really sad moment, Jesus is approaching his last days. And he will be rejected and killed by the very people we hear in the scriptures he created. In the very town that of all places should have known and recognized him. Should have seen the marks of the creator and said, this is, these are the fingerprints of God I'm looking at. This is, this is the one. And he, he actually has a lament. And I want you to hear it for a moment. I really want you to hear exactly what Jesus says. He says, Jerusalem, this is Matthew 23, 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, you stone those who are sent to you. How many times have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you weren't willing. Like, don't miss the image, and don't miss what's being said here. I think this is really important, and this is kind of obvious. God is not a dude. God's not a dude. God's not, he's not male nor female. Right? We have images in scripture of God being a father, And we have images like this. This is an image of a mother who says, all I have ever wanted, and the the Greek here is like, again and again, how many times have I just wanted to say, just come and gather, like Bray said about, like, you know, our kiddos. I just want to lay in bed with you. I just want to hold you. But you were not willing. It's so beautiful to remember this is God's heart. And I want us this morning to learn from the mothers that we have just, what we've just heard from all these moms. Like, what if we could really listen to those voices and hear the voice of God, the mother heart of God, saying, my beautiful creations, what do I want from you? I don't want good little boys and good little girls. I am not a mean schoolmaster from like the 1920s in England who's waiting to just grab my pearls and smack your wrists. All I want is to gather you under my wings. I want you to thrive. Ashare. That is what I want from my kiddos. It's so important. And when we talk about bearing fruit, I just want you to see the tie-ins. And it goes all the way back to the garden, which I don't have time to really get into very much. But there's this really powerful scene in Genesis 3. This is after this pristine, well-ordered, fertile, growing, verdant experience with God, the created order, the planet, and his people united in this beautiful relationship. And then when that severs, when that breaks in Genesis 3, when humans ball up their fists and say, God, I know you want to gather me under your wings, but I have better plans, and I'm just not interested right now. 
when that rift takes place, there's a scene. And it's, again, this is ancient Near Eastern cosmological poetry. This is beautiful poetic images. I believe are true, but told in a style and, and genre of um, an ancient creation story. There's this moment where it says, man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the the saddest question, God calls out, where are you? Where are you? Obviously, God knows, you know, he's omniscient. He knows where they are. But it's it's that heartbreaking moment of all I wanted to do is take walks in the garden in the cool of the day with you. If you ask, what's the purpose of life? That's the purpose of life. Enjoying God, one another, in the context of a well-ordered, verdant, created place. And that was severed, and it's heartbreaking. But it reminds us what this passage is telling us. Do you want to bear fruit? Then snuggle up to the Lord. Get planted in his presence, enjoying just the time and the relationship and the love and the honor of being a child of the living God. And so I want us to hear the voices of those moms and to get practical, to get like super duper practical. Like, how do you do that? What does that even look like? There's no pill you take. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm aware of God all the time. Like, and it's a little tricky with God, right? Because you can't see God. If you can see God, I probably need you to see a psychiatrist first and then we'll have a conversation about it, okay? Like, maybe you can, but I'm, I'm definitely not letting you watch my kids for a while, okay? Like, you can't really see God frequently. It's, if he wants, he can do whatever he wants, but seems to be the case that most human experiences, we don't just go, hey, God, what's up? Jump high five, boof, which would be rad. 80s music playing, it would be a great moment. We don't see that, we don't do that. So it can be a little difficult. Well, how do I spend time with them? How do I open up with this person I can't even see? But just remember, just because you can see someone and see their presence and know them, uh, doesn't mean you're actually, your heart is open in relationship with them. Like, how about this? This was kind of painful, but uh, spouses, when your marriage is in that kind of hard place, in that bleh spot, and marriage is just kind of cruising along, and you're, you're just... You know, the butterflies aren't there. The, the thrill is gone, baby. It feels a little bit like humdrum. And you wake up next to, for me, my bride. And I'm like, yep, there's Bray. All right, <clears throat> got to get up and go. Right? Like 16-year-old me would be going, what are you doing, you idiot? But we'll talk about that. Um, it's easy to actually forget and disconnect from human people as much as it is from a God we can't even see. So just remember that. It's not like, well, if I could see him, I'd be like, God, what's up? So what do we do? How do we posture ourselves? Okay, a couple thoughts, really practical, and then we're closing. I think I'm at like, oh, I'm like 15 minutes in. I've not even preached anything. Um, a couple thoughts. One, I actually do this thing, whoops. I do this thing with my students. Um, I teach a course called Biblical Interpretation and Spiritual Formation. And I actually have them do a life audit. So they do a little audit of the inputs. Like what inputs, what sources of formation are you exposed to in an average day? And just to schedule it out, to think it through, what are they? It could be relationships. It could be content online. It could be emails. It could be whatever, music. Like what things are you sort of around a lot? And then I ask this question on their little audit. What is the typically first and last exposure you have every day? So what's like the first thing when you wait, after you wake up, and there you are, what's the first thing that you either reach for or are exposed to? And um, for most of us, what do you think it probably is for most of us? <laughs> our eye telephones, right? Our smart telephones. We're like, hey, look at this. Could you imagine like in the 80s, if we're like, hey, one day, everyone will grab their phone and look at it for like half an hour when they wake up. It'd be, what's happening? But this is it. it's probably it for most of us, right? Alarm goes off. Oh, look, there's a text. What's going on in the world? What's happening in the stock market? Like, what's, cat is playing the piano on my TikTok? Like, whatever it is, we can, that could be a first thing. And then our last thing before going to bed. Think about that for a moment. Some of you might have different routines. I would suspect a lot of us is probably similar, right? A lot of us, maybe we end it on something like that. But here's just a, a really practical and a small 
adjustment that can be made that really can have massive consequences. If you just intentionally switch up the first thing you are exposed to and the last thing, I'm not even talking a major like seven hours in prayer before you get out of bed. I'm talking instead of going on your phone, what if you hit play on the Psalms? Like legit, just go hit play, boop, and you just you lay in bed and just kind of hear them. Or on some like, you know, some music that's speaking some truth. Or you open the word or whatever it is. And, that's, and then the last thing is something like that. Watch what happens to the posture of your heart for the rest of that day. It really does set you in a trajectory of like, God, you're here with me. That's one. Um, another tip that I, I think I would give to just posture our hearts and put ourselves in like location, location, location is um, maybe change up your routines a little bit with respect to either scripture or prayer or those kind of what we call spiritual disciplines. Like if reading scripture is really hard for you and you've been kind of struggling through it and it's taking you time, well, switch it up. Listen to scripture for a while, right? Like actually spend some time um, on a walk engaging scripture. For some of you, journaling is really cool. I can't journal. I'm terrible at it. I try to start and I can never finish. It's like my journals are very sparse. And, um, but my wife, she's like a stenographer. Like all of our life is in, in written form. And it's, it's a good way for her to connect with the Lord. Sitting in silence. I'm going to do five minutes of silence and solitude right now. Um, I would ask more of you what's going on, but I want to keep time. Uh, but like Todd's one person that I've always, always, um, wa- I've watched Todd's life. That's kind of like my main, um, my main degrees are not academic. It's watching Todd. That's kind of what I've gotten my PhD in, Todd watching. And it's great. I'm telling you, it is great. It's a new season coming. This So Todd, though, is a guy that has the most interesting and fresh, like I'm talking straight from the garden fresh ways of approaching God and engaging with God. Like that's one, that's my example. So y'all can't have him. He's mine. He's my mentor, not yours. But, but the, the fact is watching someone's life, that's a good way of like getting around people that are fruitful, that are giant sequoias and just be like, I'm just going to kind of creepily watch you and watch what you're up to. I'm going to take notes in my heart about what your life looks like. And you'll, you'll learn some new fresh ways. So I'm just trying to say, don't over-systematize it, but try some new things. Get around God. Um, okay, closing illustration. This is, this is where I'm landing the plane. And um, worship band, you can come up and um, start playing some music. Maybe it'll get people, I don't know, emotionally engaged in this last point. David, whatever you got. But I, wanna, I want to uh, close with this. And I'm going to go off mic for this one. Sorry about that. Forgot folks at home were filming. I'm just so old school. Um, all right, it's, bearing fruit is not just about you optimizing your life. I actually believe with all my heart, our neighborhoods, our friends, our family, the South Bay, our world is desperately in need not of more canned Christian fruit. Okay, I actually bought some canned fruit. from Vons. Like, I've been a Christian my whole life. I don't know many churches, other than, other than Westboro Baptist, maybe, that are just plain jerks all the way through. Just pure jerks, right? I don't know. Most churches, they got like some edges. They got some things. I mean, they got some whatever. Some churches are a little more mean than others. Some are nice. But what I do know is like, I don't know any church where it's like you walk in and it's just messed up all the time. But it can get so easy to be like, oh, you want some fruit? Here's what we have to offer at the River Church of the South Bay. We have some pears, delicious pears for you. Eat them quickly because they're going to be expiring in September 1st, 2025. So these pears are, they're going to taste a little bit like pears. But they're like, their half-life is, they're going to outlive all of us. These are not the kind of fruit that people are going to be like, I really want that fruit. That's so delicious. Or here's another one. This one, jellied cranberry sauce. Come to the River Church for some jellied cranberry sauce. I actually believe with all my heart that if, um, if folks 
in your life and in my life, if they opened up like our lives and what they found again and again, are these are some like, let's say these are like, like farmer's market, fresh farm to table. This one's a little brown, but it's been sitting in there for a while. And they're just so delicious. And the fruit is just there. You're not going to have to post something on Facebook about Jesus. You're not going to have to wear the t-shirt that has the Bible verse. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you're not going to need a lot of those things. They're going to be so attracted to like, those lives are fruitful. What are you doing? How is it that you're able to forgive people in the way you are? Why aren't you up in arms about our culture right now? Like, why are you in such peace in moments of strife? Why do you have hope? Like, what if people thought of the River Church at South Bay and they literally go, they're the most hope-filled people? It's like kind of naive a little bit. kind of creeps me out. They're so hopeful and loving. What's going on with these people? Like, we don't need more canned fruit. That's, that's, that's what I truly believe. And so if we actually become a people that marinate and delight in and haga and, and just we are so around our creator that we actually start like acting like our creator a little bit and loving and bearing fruit, I promise you, all the tactics and strategies in the world, I'm not gonna, like that's the one. That is the big dog. That's the one we need. True, beautiful, delicious fruit. So with that being said, at the end of the service, we're going to do some communion. Um, am I setting that up? This is really good. Okay. Right this moment. <laughs> All right. Let's do it right now. We're going to pass around some communion. And, um, and what we're reminded of as we take communion is that Jesus, though he lamented Jerusalem, though he lamented us humans, balling up our fists and being unwilling to get underneath his wing. He gave the ultimate price. That's how desperate he wanted to gather us like a hen gathers her chicks. That he gave his very life. And the bread represents his body and the juice represents his blood given for us. Um, and so let's, let's remember what we learned from our moms today. And let me pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your, not just words, but your, your actions that show you have a mother's heart as well as a father's heart for us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's worship and we'll take communion as you feel led. Um, and yeah. Why don't we just take a moment as the community is being passed around and like James said, just have your own moment with the Lord um, and take it when you feel led. And I'll bring us together to worship in a minute. Can we all stand as we finish communion? Sing this all together before I spoke a word. Before I spoke a word, you singing over me you have been so so good to me 
Before I took a breath, you breathe your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. And
think that says it all. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love. Thank you for the love that just breaks open every place inside of me that holds back from you. The love that shows no shame or guilt or judgment, but the God that shows mercy and delight in his kids. So Lord, just as James spoke, that it's so easy to grow familiar with even our spouses or the people in our lives, God. How much more easy would it be to grow too familiar and cold with you, God, the God that we cannot see? So Lord, let that truth make its way into the depths of our hearts, that it is your love that meets us first, and it is only out of your love that we can respond and love you back. So may this week be marked by your love and your goodness and your presence. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for the mothers in this room, for every season of life that a mother may be in, those that have pain on this day, those that celebrate this day, Lord. We just honor every single one of them. We thank you for the way that you've made them. So we pray blessing and we just pray fun and a lot of good photos in the photo booth. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Go get your photo taken by our dear Chloe. Amen.